You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. College students, if there's one thing that I want you to leave here tonight with, is that it is your time to shine. I got a buddy of mine. His name is Jeff. And, and if there ever was any kind of mayhem or any kind of drama that can ever happen, it would always happen to Jeff. Jeff stands about this tall, and, um, and, he, and he's a plumber. And um, so it works well for him because he can crawl in tight places and everything. And, and um, so one day Jeff went to work on a funeral home in a small town and do some, I guess, some fixing some pipes and everything. Well, he had to go under the funeral home where it was a basement just high enough for him to fit under, and, and he got up under there, and he said he was already creeped out already because it was a funeral home, and rightfully so. And then when he got down there, he saw some mannequin heads piled up in the, in the corner of the basement, and, and it's kind of freaked him out even a little bit more. But what happens was he got down there with his flashlight, and his flashlight batteries gave out on him, and it was pitch black. Well, he had a helper, and he didn't know where his helper went. I guess he got scared and freaked out and left and, went, you know, just fled the scene. And, and, um, and so Jeff was waiting on his helper to come down there with a flashlight to help him get him out. And, and so Jeff yelled really loud. He said, it's dark in here. Get me out. And he said it really, really loud. But what little did Jeff know that up in the funeral home, a family was just viewing the body for the last time, and they just closed the casket. And then from underneath the floor, Jeff yelled, It's dark in here, let me out. And, um, and so he ended up having to apologize to the family um, for that happening, because it freaked them out. They, they, they were like a cubby of quail, just left out of the room and, um, and everything. And so... So many times I look at what's going on in the world, you know, whether hurricanes, pandemics, you know, riots, social injustice, you know, all the election and all this kind of stuff. And like, I want to be like Jeff and say, let me out of here. It's dark. You know, there's, there's this element of darkness that's going on right now. And it's kind of weighs you down after a while. And so... I want us to look tonight that if we're going to shine light, as the scripture said in, in Matthew 5, is that there's going to have to be, a way, or for, if we're going to shine light, we're going to have to walk in the light. And so tonight, I want to take uh, some, some of this passage and, and point out some things that Jesus alluded to on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And so... There's three things that will change our perspective if we're walking in the light. And that is this. It'll change our perspective about salvation. See, in this passage in Matthew 5, Jesus was dealing with a religious crowd. 
You know, I, when I first think of the Matthew 5 passage, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you start with the Beatitudes, and it's like, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are these folks and everything else. I just kind of picture Jesus, you know, sitting in the meadow with some flowers, and as he's preaching, little butterflies are flying around. I mean, it sounds kind of really nice, don't it, when you start out. But as me and Christian Henry was talking about earlier, it, it, it wasn't at like that at all because he was preaching straight to the religious folks who was living contrary to what he was talking about in that passage and so what this was doing it was a wrecking a system that they created to, to, to try to find righteousness or try to atone for themselves matter of fact we just sang a line in one of your songs a while ago it says i work my fingers to a bone for my life to atone or for my sin to atone and that's exactly what the religious people were doing. But here's the deal. It fell short. Their system fell short. And so what, what they would do is try to paint themselves with piety and manufacture this cheap imitation of righteousness. And they just put on a big masquerade to let everybody know that they were righteous. And so Jesus is teaching in this Matthew 5 passage, he was going straight to the heart and straight to the matter and saying, hey, your system is broken. And that's why I have come, as Jesus saying, I'm not talking about myself, Jesus saying, I have come to, to fix the system for once and for all. And the thing about it is, is that the law that they were trying to use to atone for their sin was never, ever intended to be the, the avenue for salvation. Never. See, the law was given to Moses back centuries before, and I know, there, you know there's a lot of, of, of Scripture that alludes to say, hey, do this or do that, but get this. The law was never about be, or doing. It was more about being. And see, what it was is that the, the law was nothing more than a road, road map to God's character. And if they were to do what the law was saying that they would point people to the God that they were living for. Because here's the deal, and, 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 and Scripture is clear about this, that God has put eternity on our hearts, meaning that if we are always, humanity is always going to have a God in, 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 in our life, a place. So if it's, it's not Yahweh God, it was going to be something else. So God set up a structure are guardrails to keep them in line to serving him and not running to other guys. So that's what the law was given to in, in the first place, and yet the religious crowd, the Jewish, the Pharisees were using this as an avenue of salvation, and their system fell short. You know, when I was a child, I grew up on a farm, and you know, we, every day I had chores. I got off the bus. And I had horses to feed, I had chickens, and I had, I had a cow. My dad, it's funny, because we always had a cow that we raised out and that we sent to the butcher. Did anybody y'all anybody do that? I got a guy back there, he knows, that's good beef, isn't it? All right, so well, we had, we'd always name our calves. I mean, we had Norman, we had Big Dave, and um, we had, uh, what was some other ones? Uh, a biggin, we had biggin one time, and so... When we had our, these calves, when we get to the supper table, you know, it got, we got kind of sad because, like, we're sitting there cutting our meat and, like, Dad, are we eating Norman, you know? And, and um, you know, and then he got tired of it, so he just started naming all our calves meat. 
And um, so when we get to the supper table, it's like, are we eating meat? Yeah, some are eating meat, you know. And um, so what, I had all these chores to do when I got home. And, and so I would have to do these things. Well, one weekend I had a buddy spend the night with me, so he rode the bus home with me. And, and he helped me in the chores that I had to do so we can go get done quickly and go out and play and do our thing, right? But here's the deal. By him doing chores never made him my dad's son. I had to do chores because I was my dad's son. Does that make sense? So many times we won't allow the law to dictate or to, to try to dictate salvation where it is nothing more but, but than the grace of Christ. Look at Matthew 5.17. Do we have that up there, Matthew 5.17? So you are the light of the world. Uh, that's not it. Go fast, fast forward just a little bit more. Let's move on. So the law was actually for the people and not people for the law. Oh, there it is. Okay. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets, I have come to abolish them, but fulfill them. Here, here, here's what I want you to get out of that passage, that Jesus was the only one able to accomplish what these folks were trying to do for years upon years. Jesus was the only one that can able to do that. That's why he was the only one that was able to atone through his death on the cross for our sin. Any other method will just not just fall short. And so Galatians 3.24, it talks about that the law is a tutor for us or, or a guardian. So it says then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may be justified by, by faith. I know I like what the New America Standard Version talks about is that he was a tutor that pointed us to Christ, somebody that helps you, that brings you along, and, and, and brings you to Christ. And, and basically the law saying, hey, you fall short, so you need another means for salvation. And so anyway, get back. Walking in a light will change your perspective about salvation. And how does this apply to you guys? Guys, there have been churches that were notorious about creating environments for masquerades instead of communities of Christ. Guys, I've been, I've been like that. When I was in high school, I was thought that, you know, if I didn't do these things like what all the other people were doing, that made me score some brownie points with God. Like, that, that made me some sort of, of air about me that I wasn't doing these things. It wasn't until between my junior and senior year that I realized that I was no better than anybody else, and then I became more effective for Christ because I was living under grace instead of law. And so his finished work, his righteousness is sealed by his finished work and not anything. And, but, and that changes our second perspective about sin. This is number two. That changes our perspective about sin. When I was at Mississippi State, uh, me and my roommates weren't the cleanest of people. I mean, we kind of let things get out of hand a time or two, or bunches. And, um, and so, when, especially when 
the end of the semester came and he was doing projects and I was doing projects and we were doing finals and everything else and we would go in the kitchen and just fix some food and leave all the dirty dishes and, and everything and, and just, they start piling up and everything started stinking and we had a science experiment going on in the refrigerator and, and uh, we had a neighbor's dog, I just feed it all to him, it didn't matter if it had green on it or not and um, it barked all night so I was trying to kill it. But um, and so. I remember walking in the, um, the kitchen one night, and I mean, I've just been exhausted by all the, the happenings that's been going on at the end of the semester, and I cut the light on, and I saw all the dirty dishes and everything else, and I was just like, I just cut the light out, and I turned around and walked away. And then so many times, guys, we do that with our lives. Like, if we're not allowing our lives to come under the, the light of Christ and walking with Christ, we're not able to see the things that we need to deal with. Light gives us the ability to see things, to expose things that, that, that we're able to, to, just, to examine, and then if it needs to be dealt with, we can deal with it. And so we come under the scrutiny of Scripture. Scripture gives us that light that we need the, to be able to examine ourselves. Even Paul said, examine yourselves to see if you are of the faith. And so, and also, we come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You'll hear me say this in time and that time again because I believe it's so true that the Holy Spirit will always work in tandem with the Word of God. It never works apart from one another. And so when we start reading Scripture, we give Holy Spirit the something to work with and it starts convicting things in our life, and it brings things to the surface, and then we're able to deal with it in a manner that moves us forward into sanctification. Y'all, sanctification is nothing but a huge word for a simple meaning, spiritual growth, for the, for the use of being used by God to grow his kingdom. And um, so, how do we deal with sin? 1 John 1, 9, there's a vertical approach it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Now, so that's the vertical approach. And also there's a horizontal approach. In James 5, 16, it talks about confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that healing may come. And that's where the body of believers come into play. As the, the, as the individual gets involved into the body of Christ, they are able to or subject themselves under the body of Christ. They're able to grow in one another. Guys, I, I really think, just my opinion, this is just a Justin Shipley opinion. This, don't write this in stone or nothing like that. But I think we do a poor job, a poor job at this. I just can't help to think that if we lived authentic, transparent lives, that we're able to just grow beyond means as believers. Now, here's the good news. I think y'all are doing a way better job than my generation. Y'all are doing a way better because I think y'all want something real. I sense that in your generation. My generation is just like, we just want to sweep everything under the rug. It's like, if it's dirty, just like, we, we just cut the light out. We won't deal with it. It's better that way. But here's what happens. If we quit keep sweeping it under the, the rug, it gets uglier and it gets dirtier. And then when we're, when we're having to deal with it, it's, it's way bigger than it ever should have been. Right? So a good example was King David's life, a biblical example. 
You know, we know the story of King David. We've kicked him a time or two for his adultery with Bathsheba, and then he also had to cover that up. And so he tried to bring Uriah home and get him drunk and, and, um, and accuse him for being the baby daddy. But, but he wasn't the baby daddy. He was David. And so when, he got, when it was all found out, you know, he had to kill Uriah and everything. He just kept getting uglier and uglier and uglier and everything else. But yet, if he would have dealt with the sin when he was on the roof... It wouldn't have never got that far. And so, the attribute about heaven, there's one attribute about heaven, is that, there, that Jesus will be the sun and moon. Y'all, did y'all get that? Like, there will be no light but given through the sun, Jesus. And I just can't help but think that, like, I've heard it re- or read that there will be no shadows whatsoever. Like, right now there's a shadow because I'm blocking the light here to the floor. And, you know, Peter Pan, you know, he, he won't have any problems anymore. You know, he wouldn't, he, yeah, if y'all know that story, right? Chasing his shadow, okay? There'll be no shadows in heaven and, and because there's light, be light all around and exposing things and nothing will be able to hide. And then here's the deal. It's like the more we abide in Christ and expose or, or walk in the light, he will expose the hidden secret or the hidden areas of our life. I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to be honest with you. God convicted me about something this morning. And it's about telling mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> I know that sounds like pretty, you know, it's not a big deal to y'all, but God convicted me about it this morning. And you know why? Because I don't want to tell jokes about my mother-in-law in front of my kids if I want them to be a respecter of persons. And I was like, and I'll be honest with you, I was kind of sad because my mother-in-law jokes are pretty funny. And, and, and I was like, oh, I mean, I, I mean, I like her when she's a thousand miles away, you know? I mean, that's, I mean they were pretty funny, but God convicted me about that, and that's something that I need to personally deal with. Last thing is this, is that he will change our perspective about people. Here's the deal. In Matthew 5, when Jesus was preaching this message... He was preaching it to a religious system, a religious people who were putting people in the, the bondage of the law. He, they were enslaving people. And like the whole time, God is, you know, Jesus come to set the captives free. And the whole time, these people were trying to put people in bondage and, and, and scrutinize them and looking down and, and was condescending and, and judgmental and, and everything else. And Jesus, you know, he comes and wrecks it with this idea about sin and about salvation and the whole time Jesus is going to start spending time with prostitutes he's going to start spending time with tax collectors he's going to start hanging out with people who who are the least of these that was contrary to what these people were doing in this moment of time the religious were using the law to enslave people. They would do anything they could to rise above. And it didn't matter who they stepped on or how many casualties they left behind by doing so. Guys, that's contrary to what God has called us to be and God's to do, right? We're to be about the other person. Jesus deals with us. And so about sin and salvation so that we can deal hope to others. That's why we got to be in the light and so that eventually that we're casting 
light for those who need it. I read this story about a mission in Africa, and they was on the outskirts of Josh, Nigeria, and it was kind of in the slums, and these people in, this, in these slums were like living in these makeshift shanties, and they were very fragile, and there were no doors that would lock or anything. They were just basically to pot maybe keep you dry if you were lucky. And what happened was that when, at night it would get really dark, and then that's when all the shenanigans would start. I mean, that's when people would break into the, their houses while they were sleeping and, like, just steal their stuff or take their children or, you know, I mean, you got all the sex slave going on. You got all kinds of, um, you know, rape and everything that was happening. It was just awful. It was just a dark, dark place, literally and figuratively. And these people were trying to go in and saying, how can we help these people? But yet, when it got dark, these people were scared. I mean, you, you and I would be too. And so, the one way they found that they can win over the people and build rapport with the people is that they started creating big, huge floodlights in the, in the, the slum and running it with a generator. And so, they felt more secure and the criminals felt more hesitant to act upon what they were wanting to do. And they won the people over and they were able to share the gospel just by casting a literal light over the slums. Guys, when we're walking in light and we're walking in the light, the Holy Spirit working in us and, and working through us, we can't help but to illuminate love and to radiate compassion and just demonstrate beams of grace that would brighten up the path to Jesus that will shine throughout eternity. And here's where I want to close tonight. Scripture says that Satan's main objective, in John 10.10, 10, he said he's going to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Well, let me tell you, his playground where he loves to do that is darkness. Guys, I know, because it's overwhelming for me, there's murders, there's riots, there's drug addictions, there's sex slavery, there's abortions, there's political corruption, there's pornography, there's theft, there's rape, there's lying, there's conniving, there's all these things, and you may say, that it is just dark. What can I do? Your time to shine. I know it seems that the light is not all that bright. But we as a church, when we're individuals, when we're shining light and casting hope, and we're helping those around us, and you as an individual are doing the same thing, I want you to get out your phones just one real quick. I know all y'all got one. Y'all walk around with little bitty computers all on your purses and pockets and whatnot. But turn your light on. Pretty powerful stuff, ain't it? For the sake of the addicted, 
it's your time to shine. For the sake of the abandoned, it's your time to shine. For the sake of the lost, it's your time to shine. For the sake of the helpless, it's your time to shine. For the sake of your campus, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your friends, and for the sake of the nation, college students, it's your time to shine. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Would you pray with me? Dear Father God, thank you so much for dealing with us in a way that we have access to you through your son Jesus. And God, I'm so glad you came and took a wrecking ball to to the system that was formulated a long time ago that was never meant for us to come to you. And God, I just pray you would fill us with your spirit and that we're able to shine the light of you by walking in the light. And God, that you would use us as vessels to bring people to you. God, that you would use us to to breathe life into other people. And God, that you would use us in a way that is so profound that we can only explain it by through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray over these college students. God, I pray that they would realize that they have power in Scripture. They have power in the Holy Spirit. God, they have power in community. God, we have the light. And I pray that you'll use it. And I pray these things in Christ's name.